Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, how are we doing today? Oh, we got to get the 9 o'clock a little bit more lively. How are we doing today? Happy Father's Day. Make some noise if you're excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Oh, we're going to have some fun. So if you don't know, my name is Jared. I want to welcome you to City View Church, the perfect place for imperfect people. Uh, for those of you who are new, maybe this is your first time, I just want to let you know I'm the not the lead pastor. That would be my man, Jeremiah Semler. Can we give it up for our lead pastor really quickly? He's just taking, taking a weekend off, so y'all are stuck with me, but that's okay because we got something good uh, today. Now, if you are here for your first time, something we always want you to know before we continue is that we always have this saying that you don't have to believe to belong. And what we mean by that is simply this, is that we don't know where you are on your faith journey, kind of if this is your first time to church, your first time in a long time. Whatever the case is, we're just excited that you're here. This is a safe place to process who God is, and I hope just by the time you exit those double doors, you just be a little bit more encouraged than when you first walked in. I just hope that you'd be a little less burdened than when you first walked in. And maybe even if this message tanks for you, at least you got some free AC, y'all. You got some free air conditioning because it's hot. Turning up 117, man, it's been rough. You guys know it. Y'all just making sure your ACs are good in your car. Make sure you get that all locked in. So here's what I'm going to do today. I got a special message for you. And what I want to do is I want to pray today. And then I'm going to tell you a story where you're going to go, I have no idea where this is going. And that's exactly what I want to do. But then I'm going to get into our, our, our cha- chapter Mark, or chapter 2 of the book of Mark. And what we're going to do is dive back into, as Mark was saying, no ordinary mission. So we're going to pray, and I'm going to get into it. So Lord, I just ask God, in this moment, Lord, that you would literally, it says that you will, that your word, just it, it's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it, it pierces to the vision of soul and spirit of joint and marrow discerning the thoughts and tensions of the heart. Lord, it says when your word goes out, it never comes back void. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill this room with your presence, Lord. I pray that even the words that I speak, God, you would just dial in direct to some people's hearts today. Would you just know that you're there for them, that you love them, that you care for them, and that you're totally on their team, that you're, you're fighting for them, that you know what's around the corner, and you've got great things planned for each and every one of us in this room. Lord, I pray that, uh, God, with the words in my mouth and the meditations in my heart just be acceptable, or may these be your words, and may you just please speak to each and every one of us, minister us, and meet us where we are. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen, amen, amen. So years ago, um, I was hanging out with one of my buddies, um, and we we were hanging out, and it was a little bit after high school for me, and we were hanging out, and he loves movies. And he starts telling this, he would always tell movie quotes. You know that person, always has movie quotes, just remember them all. I'm not that person. So he's telling me this movie quote, he drops this one line, right? And the line, I don't remember what he said, but I was like, yeah, I've never heard of that. And he's like, wait, wait, what? I'm like, whoa, whoa, you coming at me hard right now? And he's like, dude, that's from The Dark Knight. Have you not seen The Dark Knight, Jared? I'm like, no. He goes, "Are, are you kidding me? Are you, what? You've never seen the dark? He's like, Jared, I'm literally mad at you. Like, no, we're done hanging out. You better just literally go home, go watch the movie, because I cannot believe it. Jared, it's amazing. He's like, I have the DVD. Now, DVD, it, it's for the, I, you know, we, it's for us dinosaurs, right? Our, our young people here like, what is a DVD? What is Blockbuster? Y'all don't know. Y'all have it easy, right? Y'all don't know about renting a movie, rewinding it when you return it. You don't know about VHS t- tapes. 
tubes, beepers. You know, we ride our dinosaurs back in the day. So anyway, we got, we got, he's like, I'll give you the DVD. Now, I don't remember if I took the DVD or I bootlegged it. I might have bootlegged it. I'm going to be honest. Hit Google, free, watch Dark Knight, free online, figure it out, play, press play, and here I go. I remember the first moments I was like, oh my gosh, this movie, two minutes in, I was like, this movie is incredible. What's going on? This, this, I, the suspense was just amazing, right? But there's this specific scene in the movie, and it, it, it's this. The Joker takes, and now if you've never seen the movie, pure spoiler alert here, uh, what happens is Joker kidnaps uh, Batman's long love of his life, Rachel, and he also kidnaps Harvey, who is the mayor of the city of Gotham. Now, they're in two separate warehouses, and in these warehouses, they are filled with explosives with a countdown going down, ticking down to zero until they both die. Now, in this moment, uh, Joker, in his sick way, he puts an intercom so that they can hear each other. And so all of a sudden, they kind of wake up out of their stupor, and they're like, they, they can start to hear each other, and, and, and they know, they see the time is ticking down. They know that their time is coming to an end, and, and Rachel goes, Harvey, I just want to tell you something. Harvey goes, Rachel, not now, not now. She goes, no, I, I got to tell you this. And he's like, she's like, my answer is yes. I want to marry you. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. And, and he goes, Rachel, just, just whatever. Next thing you know, there's multiple scenes happening. The countdown keeps clocking, keeps coming down, and you're wondering, as Batman is on his way, who is he going to save? He's going to one of two warehouses. You're like, he's for sure. He's got to save the love of his life. He's on his way. He's going. He's breaking into the warehouse, and all of a sudden, it's Harvey he went to go rescue. Harvey goes, no, why did you come after me? I don't know why. And Rachel goes, Harvey, it's okay. It's okay. And, and he's just fighting, fighting. Why didn't you go save her? I don't understand. And so he rips Harvey out, and, and Rachel says this. She goes, okay. And she goes, somewhere, and the bomb explodes, and she dies. And this moment, amongst people that are Dark Knight fans, they have this, there's a highly amount of speculation about this moment. In the same way, if you've seen the, the movie Inception, probably my favorite movie of all time, at the very end, you wonder, was this whole movie a dream? But in the same way in The Dark Knight, this moment is of high speculation because everyone wants to know, what was Rachel going to say? And I think the reason why we want to know what she was going to say is because the last words that we use on this earth are very important. The last words any of us say will reveal what is important to us. And I started thinking to myself, if that is true, and if God exists and this is his word, what would his last words be? Interestingly enough, there, the Bible is, the scriptures are divided into two sections. There is an Old Testament, which is the old way of relating to God, and the New Testament, which is the new way of relating to God. And the time in between is 400 years. And so the question I ask myself is, if God were to say something and, and say, here is what I'm going to say last for 400 years, what would he say? And we get into this chapter in Malachi. You can stay where you're at in Mark chapter 2. And it says this in Malachi. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, which is John the Baptist, by the way, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Now, no one knew how this Lord was going to come. Was he going to come in some kind of power? What is he going to come in military might? But he ends up coming in a way where he meets us exactly where we are. And it says, the awesome day of the Lord comes. And then it says this, 
And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. He said, I'm going to, the awesome day of the Lord is going to come and he's going to change our whole understanding of who God is. On top of that, he is going to change the father's hearts to their children and the children's hearts to their fathers. And so my question is, what are God's last words for 400 years? It's about fathers, which reveals how important that is to him. What an amazing, amazing opportunity and an amazing call that dads have. Now, here's what's amazing. Roughly 15 times in the Old Testament, God is referred to as father only about 15 times, and he's referred to father as the national sense, not the individual or the personal. Next thing you know, Jesus comes onto the scene, and he starts to change our entire understanding of who God is. So much so that it says, I would say, just doing the research, it says he refers to God as father as 65 times in the Synoptic Gospels and over 100 times in John alone. He is trying to help us understand that if you want to know what God looks like, he looks like a father. It's such a beautiful thing. He wants us to embrace our heavenly father. Now, for some of us, as I talk about that, you want, so you're saying, Jared, the scriptures are saying that you want me to relate, like, I need to think about God as father. Yeah, well, do you know (laughs) who my dad was? Some of you, when I say the word father, for some, it's very sad that that is actually almost a triggering word. Because we all have different, whether it's a biological father, father figures, a spiritual father, in some way, shape, or form, have let us down. Some of us are asked, you want me to think of God as Father? Well, I don't really get down with that. Now, here's the problem. For many of us, especially in my generation and below, we are becoming the most fatherless generation to ever exist. Here's just some quick statistics. 63% of all youth suicides are from fatherless homes, five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, 32 times the average. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes, 14 times the average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, nine times the average. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. And 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. And you see, we all are generate, we are designed with a need for a father or things go sideways. The challenge is, is not all of us had that great, amazing dad we could look at. We are all, whether you, like in this moment, I want us all to think that we are sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters first. And so when I say we got to think about God as Father. Some of us, that is spurring up something negative. And so I, I, even in the movie The Fight Club, um, I remember, t- if you've watched this, is Tyler Durden, he's, uh, I won't explain the scene, but he says this, he says, if our Father is a basis for God and our Father's abandoned us, what does that tell you about God? But you see, that's just the reality of so many of us. The statistics are there. We have a need. Here's the problem, and here's what I'm telling you, is that we have projector problems. So when it comes to God the Father, we have projector problems. Now, I don't, what I mean by that is I don't want to insult your intelligence, but this projector here, it's actually pretty cool because this is actually just nice, a nice white wall. Nothing special about it. But what's amazing is if we feed data and images to this projector, we can project onto this wall. 
Now the thing is, when I say God the Father, depending on the data you have stored in your memories about a father figure, a biological father, a spiritual father, you are inevitably going to feed data and project onto God something that he is not. And so for many of us, when I say, we got to refer to God as Father, Jesus is trying to say, hey, you receive the love of a father. We go, okay, oh, oh, Father, okay, the dad that's, oh, oh, not now, I'm too busy. Oh, God, oh, God must be like, wait, I, I don't even have anything because he wasn't there. Or, or maybe it's, the, oh, da, the, oh, God must be like, the person that she's just yelling at me. I'm, not, I'm never good enough. I'm not good enough. You, you got to do better. You got to try harder. And this is the problem is that, man, the truth is, it's Rich, Rich Wilkerson says this, that if you never heal from those who hurt you, you will bleed on those who never cut you. And the truth is that many of us bleed onto God and we attach things to his character that he is not. And what God wants to do is he wants to heal us in this moment or start the healing journey because we all have a design need for a heavenly father. Here's what I'm telling you. The science, the statistics, the scripture, they all say the same thing. We all need a good dad. Here's what I want you to know. One of the biggest barriers in your relationship with God is projecting the failures of an earthly man onto the heavenly father. It's, that is going to be one of the biggest challenges in your life as a follower of Jesus is projecting things that are not of him onto God and saying, oh, he must be like this. Because as you project the wrong things, you start to not trust him. You start to not think he's going to come, in, come, through, come for you. You don't think he's going to protect you. You don't think he's going to be your refuge, that he's going to be your security, that he's going to provide for you. And here's the thing. Here's why you need to know that. Because when you project onto God, you're building a wall between you and him. There's a wall there for some of us. And God's saying today, I want to break that down, and I want you to receive the love that I want to give you. You see, the question is, Jared, how, how then, how, how, I don't really have a basis for what you're talking about. How can we, how can I view God as Father? He's, he's, he's theoretical. He's, he's like, he's, he's whatever. He's abstract. I, I don't know how to, I, what am I supposed to do? T.D. Jake says, you cannot be what you cannot see. And even Tupac said, he said, how can I be a man if there's no role model? I'm striving to save my soul so I stay cold drinking the 40 bottle. I'm so sorry. Tupac, Jay-Z, all the guys, all the culture, we all have the same wounds. We're just looking for that father that we needed, the father that, that was there for us. And the beautiful, 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 beautiful thing is, is that we already have him. Here's the best thing. You want to know what God looks like? Oh, you got to just take a look at Jesus. Here's one of the, good, the, just the best truth in the world, John 14, 9. Jesus says this. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the father. So we go, okay, so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, if, I, if you have taken a look at me, you will then know who your father is. So Jesus says, watch how I do life. Watch how I treat people. Watch how I speak to people. Because if you can get a look of my character, you're going to see your heavenly father in a new way. Because I and the father are one. Have you ever noticed Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We always focus on that, but it says no one comes to the father except through me. 
People love to pray to the Holy Spirit and they love to pray to Jesus, but not a lot of people like to pray to the Father. And interestingly enough, when the disciples asked, they said, hey, Jesus, how do we teach us to pray? He says, okay, our Father. Oh, this is all throughout the scriptures, y'all. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house there are many rooms. And if it were not so, what I told you, I'd go to prepare, prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will bring you again. I will take you again. I'm going to bring you there. And this is, the, this is the theme throughout the scriptures, that you actually have an amazing heavenly father. And if you want to know what he looks like, take a look at Jesus. So Mark chapter 2, we're talking about no ordinary mission. And the mission that Jesus is on is he is, to, he is creating a family. He is getting us, he has taken all tribes, tongues, nations, doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter your skin color, doesn't matter what language, he is after people joining God's family, bringing them into the family, and changing their lives as we know it. And it says this in Mark chapter 2, and I'm going I'm to look at this a totally different way than what we thought. It says, he went out again, Jesus, beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and, as he, was, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Now, we need a context for tax collectors, because I don't think we really actually understand how bad tax collectors were. So the best way I like to describe it to people is, imagine in here in Phoenix, imagine a, a terrorist organization, or let's use ISIS for example, takes over Phoenix and starts pers persecuting us, making us pay taxes, making our lives horrible, right? Now imagine we're all in that. Um, Rome was very similar to that. In fact, when you would go into a place that was a, a, a place of the kingdom of the Romans, they would crucify people in the entrance to make you understand, don't mess with Rome, you're walking in Rome's territory. So this is kind of the backdrop of, of what's going on, and now imagine one of us going, I'm actually going to work for them. And suddenly, your neighbor, or your brother, or someone that you know, now works for the terrorist organization that now makes your life terrible. Interestingly enough, if you're a tax collector, you can say, hey, Rome says you owe this. Well, guess what? I want more. I want more off the top of that. Almost like a slumlord, if you will. So these people are jacked up, right? They're like, we would despise them. And here's what it says. And as he reclined at table, because he, he had told Levi, I said, hey, follow me. It says, as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. He had tax collectors. He had people that were, were not great morally. He had all these type of people with him. And then it says this, it describes the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, who was a ragtag bunch as well, he says, hey, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Doesn't he know, you, don't, don't, doesn't he know that you need to clean up before you get to God? Doesn't, they, doesn't he know how this works, that you got to behave to get saved? Doesn't he know that this is, this is how it works? And Jesus says this, whoa, 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 whoa. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. They don't. Because those who trust in themselves, they don't need me. Those who believe in themselves, they don't need me. Those who think they're a good person, they're actually not, they don't have any type of badness inside of them, they don't need me. He says, no, no, no. I'm come to call those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Now notice in this story, what is Jesus doing? The, the, the tax collectors, the sinners, 
They're sitting in his presence enjoying him. I think it's incredible. But remember what I'm talking about. One of the biggest barriers in your relationship with God is projecting your failures, the failures of an earthly man onto the heavenly father. And see, when you project onto God, you're building a wall between you and him. And as you conceive the mindset, the Pharisees think of God in a certain way. And all of a sudden, they start building a wall. Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to the table. I want you to experience grace. I want you to experience love. Will you just receive it? And they go, no, I've got to behave first. got to figure it out first. And here's the beautiful thing is that Jesus is going to show us what God the Father looks like, how he speaks to you and me. This is the greatest thing. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so here's what we got to know. What's the Father really like? Well, I just want to give you two things that's incredible of who our Heavenly Father is, how he acts, and how he is so kind to each and every one of us. And the first point is this, is that a good Father, and I'm talking about a Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, he connects before he corrects. He will so often connect with you before correcting. Now, here, here's the greatest part. How many of us, and you don't have to raise your hand, we had some, some leaders in our life that were very high on correction, not very high on connection. You're like, I don't even remember if they ever connected me. I just remember all the things I have done wrong, right? Now, here's the interesting part. So many of us, we come into this mindset where we just think like, like the, the voices in our head is, you're so, like from what we've heard previously, you're so stupid, can't you get it right? You should be ashamed of yourself. That's all, that's, that's a, a culture of hell. That is not the culture of heaven. And, and, and I've, I've thought, I was thinking about this. Have you ever been corrected by someone who has never connected with you? How, how, how well does that fly? <laughs> Probably not the greatest. This is what we call arguing on Facebook. You know, we just, we just argue with people. We correct them, you know, because our opinions matter the most. And I don't know, but I think we've got to understand, let's look at the fruit. Not much. So we should probably switch up our strategy here. But here's the cool thing. God is just, he is just like that. He connects before he corrects. And this is what I love so much. It says this in, in Mark 2.15. As he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Here's my question. Was he connecting or was he correcting? He was connecting. But Jesus, they have so much wrong with them. The Pharisees were, were the cancel culture experts. They're canceled. They're experts. Jesus, or they're, they're out of here. And, and Jesus goes, no, bring them in. Bring them in. And I start to think about what would Jesus be saying at, those at that table? You know what I think he'd be doing? I think he'd probably be getting to know their story. I think he'd just be like, how are you doing? Just, just figuring out, like, just being, just being loving, hearing them out, listening to how they're doing. And I just love this, that the people sitting on the outside are not the bad people. It's the moral elites that are not there. Because they view God the wrong way. They project onto God that you have to do this in order to get his love, in order to be holy enough, and ever to be good enough. But, but Jesus is like, no, 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 that actually doesn't work like that. Here's the cool thing. There's a story uh, of a similar tax collector named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, if you've heard about him, he's a short guy. He, uh, he, he, needs, he, he hears Jesus potentially could be the Messiah. This guy's like coming through the town, right? All of a sudden, uh, he's like, I, I got to get up into the tree because I'm short. I got to see if this Jesus guy, if he is who he is. Now he's in the tree and it says this. And when Jesus, he's walking through, it says he comes to the place. He looked up and said to him by name, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I'm going to stay at your house today. I love that. This guy's jacked up, and he's like, hey, let's do a meal. 
let's go to, let's go to uh, Popo's. <laughs> let's, let's go to Burger King. What do you want? Dairy Queen? We'll get a blizzard. It's hot out. And I love this. It says, so Zacchaeus, he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. You know the haters. He's gone in to be the guest of, of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if there's anything I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now, here's the thing. He would not say that if he had not done it. So you know he was taking some off the top when he's saying, hey, you owe this much. But here's what I want you to see. What was Jesus doing? He's connecting. You know what's amazing is that when people know that you're for them, they know that they know that they know that, they're, that you're for them, sometimes they're just going to correct themselves. Sometimes when you connect, you're inviting the Holy Spirit to do a work in their heart. Sometimes, this is what's amazing. Jesus didn't say anything to Zacchaeus. He just connected with him, had a meal. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus like, hey, you're right. Like, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing of experiencing grace. When you actually experience grace, like God, like when you see yourself as just way worse than you'd ever think, but then you're so much more loved and accepted in Christ than you could ever imagine, it starts to change you. You're like, oh my gosh, you forgive me of that? That's why Jesus says, man, she loves much. He's talking about this woman who was, who was worshiping him. He said, she loves much because she's been forgiven much. Now, one of my favorite dads, he's, he's amazing. I love this guy just so genuinely. He had this amazing thing. He talked about this moment um, that he would talk with his sons and daughters. Now, here's the beautiful thing about connecting before you correct. Now, there's sometimes your kids and, and, and people that, you're, that are, you are managing, they're like trying to always like kill themselves. So you're gonna be like, you, you can't just be like, hey, let's have a quick conversation about this. It's like, no, get down off the building. You're gonna die. Like, that's okay, right? But the beauty is, is that God's always connecting with us, connecting, connecting, connecting. And so here's the cool part. He says this. So he, he would get that call as a dad like, hey, your son or your daughter is being crazy. And I said, wait till dad gets home. He's, and you know, once they say, wait till dad gets home, oh snap, it's not going well for you. So sure enough, he would get home and he'd bring his son to his side. And he'd say this. He'd say, all right, son. He goes, hey. He's like, who am I? And he goes, you're my dad. And he goes, how do I feel about you? He's like, you love me. He goes, that's right, son, or his daughter, whoever he's talking to. And he would say, he'd go, uh, son, I, I have a question for you, and I, and I want you to be really, really honest with me. He's like, okay, dad, what is it? He said, out of anyone in the entire planet, who is first in line to cheer you on, who wants to bless you, who is you, just wants, he just believes the best in you, just loves you, and is the biggest cheerleader just for you, and just loves you so much. He said, depending on what my son or daughter answers will re reveal what I need to do next. He says, if the answer is not me, the problem that I was going to correct my son for is no longer the problem. It's our relationship. And that's what God does with us. It says in Romans 8 that he puts the spirit inside of us, his spirit inside, to testify to ours that we are children of God. He's always affirming your identity and who you are in him. He's always building you up and encouraging you. And then he, he, he takes you aside and says, hey, we got we to gotta work on this. So he asks this question. His son goes, you, Dad, like, you're first in line. You're first in line. He's like, you're like, absolutely, son. He goes, okay, but I got to talk to you about something. But before we do, I just want to pray for you. He goes, because I need to pray that God gives, like, that you would know that I love you. I need to pray that 
um, God would just help me communicate this to you in a loving way. And I just want to invite God the Father to father me as I father you. And he's like, okay, Dad. And so he would pray for him. And, you know, sometimes even after praying, his son would go, Dad, I know what you're going to talk to me about. I did this, this, and this. But for some of us, that's like like world-changing. You're like, wait, I've never experienced that in my entire life. Like a like the connection, it's always been the yelling at. And, and maybe for many of us, it's like the people we lead, we, we just go, we just yell at them. But listen, that's, that's kind of like punishment, not correction. And, and for many of us, like we experience like maybe a little bit more tough, you could call it, uh, so, you know, the belts, things of that nature. But that, that could be borderline abuse. That's not fathering. And so that's, that's the crazy thing about God is Sometimes when you connect with those that you lead, this will work if you're a manager, it'll work if you're a parent, as you just invite, if you just invite God, the Holy Spirit, into these moments, he can do the change. Because the truth is, we don't want compliance from people, we want obedience. Obedience is from the heart, compliance is just doing it just because they have to. And so that's the beauty about our God, he connects before he corrects. But the second thing is this, is that God is tender with you, and tough for you. Now, some of us, that's, that's very like, no. I, like, like, in your life, everyone's been tough on you. Just, you gotta get better. Hey, you gotta, come on, get better. And we project that onto God. We think he's constantly yelling at us, but that's why I love, that's why I love when that dad would get face-to-face or eye-to-eye with his son or daughter, because that's what Jesus would do with us. He didn't shout commands from heaven he came down and, and sat on our level and met us where we are, connected with us there and corrected. But the Lord, he is, he's tender with you and tough for you. It says this, it says, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus hears it, he says, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick, I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. What is he doing in this moment? He's protecting them. He's saying he's tough for them. He goes, listen, these are my, these people are following me. These are now, they are now in the family. I am tender with them and I'm tough for them. Listen, this is the beautiful thing about God is that you never have to defend yourself. That God is always defending you. He is tough for you. He is around the corner fighting your battles. As we talked about, the battle belongs to the Lord. He is always tough for you. He is fighting things that we are not aware of for you right now. And he's tender with you all the way through it. And this is what I love so much. Jesus does this with the kids. If you remember ever seeing stories of Jesus with the kids, the kids would run up and the disciples would go, hey, tell them to get out of here. And Jesus would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yo, you got it twisted. This is the, this is the Jared Standard version. So you got it twisted. He would get the, the say a little girl, pick, him, pick her up, put him on his lap and just say like, no, if you don't have faith like her, like childlike faith, not childish, childlike faith, like this, she, like this is where the kingdom's at. It's in this. And he's like, no, bring the children to me. What's he demonstrating there? He's tender with them. People are hating on it, and he's tough for them. In addition, John chapter 8, there's a woman caught in adultery. They are dragged by the religious elite, this woman, not the man. It's crazy that the standard still has not changed. Uh, the, the scriptures are always timely. They pull just the woman out into the public. I would assume she's naked. They bring out Jesus. They go, all right, Jesus, the law says this. Stoner for those that commit adultery. What do you say? And Jesus goes, okay, all right. All right, he who, uh, he who is without sin, go ahead, cast the first stone. 
if you've never sinned, like, go for it. You're, you're thou the judge. And it said that they dropped their rocks one by one, the oldest from the youngest, because it takes a little bit more time for the young guys. We're a little bit more prideful. And what does Jesus do? He gets down. He looks at her. She's just, caught, she's just committed adultery. She, this is a bad offense. She has just hurt a family member. People are getting hurt. This is a bad decision she has made. And Jesus doesn't go, come on, what were you thinking? Did you not think about your family in this? What are you doing? What does he say? He goes, he goes, he goes listen, where are your accusers? She goes, nowhere, Lord. And he goes, I don't come to accuse you either. Go and sin no more. Tender with her, tough for her. He goes, all right. No one's throwing rocks at you today because I'm the judge and I'm not throwing rocks at you today. And all of a sudden, she just now meets grace and faith interrupts, er, erupts in her heart. All of a sudden, she says, no one, Lord. And then that's why Jesus says, all right, amen. Go and sin no more. Go live the life that you never could live on your own. I'm gonna be with you. I'm for you. I'm gonna put my spirit inside you. It changes everything. Our God is so good. He is corrects, but he connects before he corrects. He is so good. He is tough with, uh, for us. He is tender with us. And this is the crazy thing is this is the problem when we project onto God. We don't, we miss these things. We miss these things because one of the biggest barriers in a relationship with God is projecting the failures of an earthly man onto a heavenly father. Because when you project onto God, you're building a wall between you and him. So God connects before he corrects. He's tender with you and tough for you. And it leaves me with two questions. The first is this. This, and and I'm going to be honest. In your life, most two important questions are who is God? And who are you? you got to know who God is to know who you are. First question is this. Do you see God as master or do you see him as father? You see, the Pharisees think they have to clean up to get to God. They view God as a master while the other people that are receiving his love see him as a father. One thing I know is that you will serve a master, but a father will serve you. Mark 10, 45 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Which is to say, Christianity doesn't start with you serving God. It starts with God serving you. That's an amazing thing. This, this truth right here will change your life, how you view church, how you fast, how you pray, when you read scripture. If you come into the mindset like God's here to serve me, he's serving you right now, he's serving me right now, he is a father who serves us. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. You know what? A master also beats you down, but a father builds you up. Oh, we got a, there's a lot in our culture, people just beating people down. And I'll be honest, for some of us in our family culture, how we talk to each other, that is not the culture of heaven. That's not the kingdom of heaven. The saying the things like, you should be ashamed of yourself, I'm sorry, Jesus doesn't say things like that. Because shame doesn't change people. It doesn't. Grace does. I think it's really interesting that, like, I saw this post the other day. It had someone that severely messed up, and it said, shame him. And I'm like, I don't know if you understand how humans work, but I'm telling you, that's not what gets change. It's grace. It's love. It's forgiveness. It's the healing. And here's the amazing part, is God always is building you up. He says to Peter, he says, on this rock I will build my church. He says to Gideon in the Old Testament, he says, he's, the Gideon's freaking out. He says, mighty man of valor. For some of you, God's saying, you are my beloved. You are my son. You are my daughter. He was always encouraging you. He is always affirming you. He just wants you to walk out who you already are. 
A master motivates by fear, but a father motivates by love. God doesn't motivate by fear. Well, you're going to say, well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yeah, the awe of God and how good he is and how massive he is and how he's bigger than your problems and that he's so for you. He's massive, yet he's individual. He's with you. He's personal. A master uses you, but a father blesses you. Do you know a father just wants to bless you? Like our father, he's just always wanting to bless you. That's why in Psalm 23 it says, at the very end he said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You don't know this, but God's grace and his goodness and his mercy stalks each and every one of you. It's always coming after you. Goodness is coming after you, not condemnation. Mercy's coming after you, not fate, not fear. God motivates different, he's different, he's a father. And the second thing I ask is this, but before I do, I have a question. I just know this, that you will always run from a master, but you always run to a father. And if you've been running from God, it's because you view him the wrong way. But the second thing is this, do you see yourself as a slave or do you see yourself as a son or daughter? It's just the facts, man. You gotta figure that out. Do you see yourself as a slave? Or do you see yourself as a son or daughter? Because a slave is in a controlling relationship, but a son or daughter is in a loving relationship. It's different. A slave, you see a slave, I just, I just love this. A slave is, is always outside of the family, but a son or daughter is always inside. Those of you who are parents, you know that your sons or daughters can royally screw up and make your life horrible, but they will always be your son or daughter. And it's the same way with God. They'll, you will always be your, his son and daughter. If you have put your faith into him, it is a game over. It's game changer. It's over for you. You might have screwed up last night. You might have screwed up your last decade. You might have blown up your family. But can I tell you that there's grace for you? That the Father is still after you? That goodness and mercy is still after you? Still chasing you down? One thing I know is that slaves, burdens are placed on them. But with the Father, burdens are lifted from them. Jesus says this, he says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God is here to lift burdens, not to place them on you. Last thing I want to say this about a slave and a son. A slave's identity is always achieved, but a son or daughter's identity is always received. There's nothing you can do to make you a son or daughter. God just saves us. That is what it is. He, he saved us and we are in the family forever. In fact, as far as identities go, Christianity is the only identity that is received and not achieved. Every other identity in this world, you will always have to achieve it. You'll always have to live up to it. But the identity of a follower of Jesus is always received. This is what I love about the scriptures when it talks about adoption. There's no kid in an orphanage who walks out of an orphanage and goes, you're my dad, you're my mom. No, a father and mother come to the orphanage and go, I'm calling you son, I'm calling you daughter. Game changer. So here's what I want us to do. This is, the, this is big, for, for some of you, this is going to be a start of a journey. For some of you, I pray by the power of God that this is, this is a, a game changer for you Here's what I want us to do. I need us to forgive the father who hurt you so you can receive the father who will heal you. We gotta forgive those that have hurt us, whatever it is. It might not even be a father wound. It could be something different. We gotta get rid of that because here's the problem. 
a father wound will always stand between you and your heavenly father. And the only way to break that wall down is forgiveness. And so here's the thing. Forgiveness is really interesting because in this moment, I'm gonna invite us to pray and, to, and just that the Holy Spirit would help us. But in this moment, I know that for some of us, as we start to forgive whoever it is, you're gonna have this moment where you're like, okay, like I have, like I've forgiven them, but the feelings are gonna come back up again. But, the, but that's not a problem because the truth is forgiveness is just waiving debt. The problem is when we forgive people in this moment and we feel it again later, it's because there was more debt you didn't realize that you had. And so some, for some of us, forgiveness is gonna be a journey, but that's okay. And for some of us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe it will break something today. But I don't know, but I'm gonna pray and uh, we're gonna get into it. I, I'm just gonna leave us with this. The affirmation, approval, understanding, the security, the love that we need and desire, it's always gonna be found in the unchanging, incredible nature of our good and perfect Heavenly Father. You have everything you need. You're not walking by yourself. You got a dad who's looking over your shoulder. And he's so, so good. Not in with this. The last words that Jesus said on the cross were the best words ever. Three most powerful words. He said, it is finished. Meaning, there's nothing else you have to do. You just got to receive it. You just got to receive what he's done. And then he says this, Father, there it is again. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. He says, hey, I'm all yours. Do what you want to do. I see, I think today, if, if, if we can just receive what God's done, I just think it's going to open up our hearts. We're going to say, Father, receive my spirit, whatever you want to do. Just leave me, and we'll go. Man, you can come on up. If you're not here, you might have already walked by. I've been focused. I don't even know. You've been, oh, they're back there. That's crazy. So let's pray. Let's do this. Uh, if you would, um, for some of us, I, 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 if you're comfortable, I would say if you just have your hands just on your knees and your palms up, and if I just ask that, you know, everyone would just, you know, bow their heads, close their eyes, I'm just going to pray for you and just ask the Holy Spirit would do something. So, Lord, I, I ask God that, Lord, there's wounds in each and every one of our souls. And, Lord, we... Uh, we ask right now that you would heal those. Lord, that we would see you in the right way. I pray, Lord, for those that just had it hard growing up. I just ask God that your voice would be so much louder in their soul than any other voice they've ever heard. Just an affirmation of, I'm calling you son, I'm calling you daughter. Lord, we just ask, God, that you would heal the broken parts of our hearts. So, Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, would you fill us up? Father, would you uh, put back the pieces together? Because it's always the, our scars that just become beautiful over time. Because it just shows that you've redeemed us, that you've healed us, and that you've taken us through so much in our lives. And so, Father, we ask as we sing these next few couple songs, we ask, God, that you would just do a work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to learn more about what's going on at City View, download our City View app through the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can find everything from special events, outreach opportunities, and additional resources 
all in one centralized location. Links are in the description below. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.